Welcome to the Through These Gates podcast. <laughs> the most rational Nebraska football podcast on the internet. And let me tell you, I am being the most rational man on the planet when I say that the state of Nebraska, not the university, not the fans, the state of Nebraska, the attorney general, the governor, the state of Nebraska as a government body has a legitimate case to try Scott Frost for committing tens of millions of dollars worth of fraud against it. I don't know how else to put it. I said before the game in the pregame preview that if they lost the game, it wasn't necessarily time to hit the panic button. Northwestern definitely looks like a better team than we played last year. That's for sure. I think Nebraska's offense looked better than it did for the most part last year. The turnovers were still there. You can't blame the bad pick on Casey. You can't blame, I mean, the the fumble was a little sus. I think we got robbed there. The officials gifted Northwestern the ball. I'll give you that first and foremost. But you know what? It's not like they gifted them the ball inside the 30, inside Nebraska's 30. That was a turnover in our own red zone. Scott Frost's go-to play. He dialed it up. Let's turn the ball over in our own red zone, or in the red zone, right? We're in the red zone. Let's turn it over. Scott Frost's go-to play. Dialed it up there. The officials did not gift them seven points. Getting the ball in your own red zone is far from a guarantee of even a field goal, right? Nebraska shitting down their leg on defense gifted them seven points that was not the officials it was a bad call it wasn't a fumble the replay showed it wasn't a fumble it shouldn't have been called a fumble on the field but that's not why they scored that d that was a semi-long drive that defense had plenty of time to rest and they still gave up a go-ahead touchdown to like we said the worst offense in the big 10 last year we went over the numbers friday the worst offense in the big 10 last year they brought out eight returning starters from the worst offense in the Big Ten. And they made Ryan Holinsky look like Peyton fucking Manning. What a joke. What a joke. I said the defense would take a step back. I felt I was being realistic. I felt that Chenander saying it was going to be better than last year. It was just him running his mouth. I thought it would still be serviceable. That that defense is not serviceable. And we'll see, because Northwestern's a weird team every year. They may go 3-9 and nine and come out and, you know, and compete for the Big Ten West this year. That's still a possibility. There's a chance this was a good Northwestern team. And I don't mind losing to a good team. That's not. I don't mind losing to a good team that way. That's not what the issue is here. We did not lose to them. We beat ourselves again. Again. And I feel like a fool for saying that. That we beat ourselves again. Because at some point, you're not beating yourselves. When you keep losing, that's your identity. Of, of having six rounds in the chamber and unloading every single one of them into, into your foot. When that's your identity, you're just getting beat. A good team can beat itself every now and again. I get that happens, but when it happens over and over and over and over again, that's not a good team. And uh, guys, we got to look at the common denominator here. You got all new offensive coaches, except one or two. Got a new special teams coach. I, I mean... People are going to give Bleak Road crap. He missed what was like a 60-yard field goal. I can't even be mad at him for that. We got all new coaches. We got all new players. There's one common denominator here. It's the CEO. 
They need to fire Scott Frost. I'm serious. Fire him. Fuck the buyout. Fire him tomorrow. Make him fly back on Spirit Airlines. What a train wreck this has been. A train wreck. And maybe I'm an idiot for for drinking the Kool-Aid. Go ahead and dunk on me in the comments. I don't give a crap. I think it'll be funny. It'll help with engagement and everything. But what a train wreck. Special teams cost you how many games last year? And you decide to go out and kick an onside kick up by two scores. The second time you blew a two-score lead, by the way. You did it twice. You kick an onside kick up two scores. What the hell were you thinking? Was Scott Frost drunk? I mean, his face was pretty fucking red. That's all I'm saying. Hit those Irish pubs a little too late last night, Scotty boy. There's absolutely no reason he should coach this team against North Dakota. I don't care who does it. You let Mickey Joseph or Whipple or it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Let Tom Osborne come take the field. Seriously, it doesn't matter. I watched Lee Corso basically have a stroke on national TV. And the guy would still be a better coach than Scott Frost today. 40 years removed from coaching. Without a doubt in my mind. There's about 30 or 40 peewee football coaches in the Omaha and Lincoln area that would outcoach Scott Frost on any given Saturday. Fuck, let's get the three-year letterman from Twitter. Maybe he can coach. What a train wreck. What a train wreck. I didn't think Thompson looked bad, actually. He had that bad pick. Um, and that that's another thing. He had that bad pick in the fourth quarter. No defending that. The second one wasn't his fault. It went right off the guy's hands. But he had that bad pick in the fourth quarter. And that's another thing we've noticed with Frost quarterbacks. They throw bad interceptions in the fourth quarter. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's Martinez. It doesn't matter if it's Andrew Bunch. If it's Smothers. If it's Casey Thompson now. Scott Frost. Vedral. Scott Frost quarterbacks throw bad interceptions in the clutch. Again, we talked about it with the offensive line last week. Law of averages, man. That's how many four-star blue chip recruits. They don't all suck, man. They don't all suck. It's impossible that they all suck that bad and they all choke at the exact same moment. That's a product of a coach that puts too much pressure on a quarterback and trots him out there to go try and win a game and he makes stupid mistakes. If it was one, if it was just Adrian, I'd be willing to write it off. But this is the fact that we've seen this with what four or five guys now, the same problem tells me that this is coaching. This is a coach that's putting too much pressure. I don't know what he's doing, but he's putting too much pressure on his quarterback. Speaking of the offensive line, train wreck. Train wreck. I I mean, Thompson made some Johnny Manziel-esque plays. We can't give him crap when he's running for his life the whole game. Ball's getting snapped over his head. The offensive line, Teddy Prohaska, who I was high on, got beat like he stole something. And the sad part was he was the best player on the line, other than the center who couldn't snap the fucking ball to save his life right. The guards looked horrible. The inter- When you're getting pressure from the outside, that's tough, all right? That's tough. If you have a quarterback that can maneuver somewhat, it's not the end of the world. He can get away from it. It's obviously not ideal. It's not sustainable. It's an issue you're going to have to address. But 
you can make it work. When you're getting when you're allowing interior pressure every other play, your offense can't function. The guard is the most unsung hero of any football team in the country, and we get it. But when they're blowing up, when they're blowing plays like they were, that's why. That that that's you, when you hear the guard's name, it's a problem. I said I was skeptical of the Riola hire before the season started. I said I liked um, Applewhite. I said I liked Bush. I liked Joseph. And I liked Whipple. But I was skeptical of the Riola hire because you had no real track record with him. And so far, through one game, he's done nothing to prove otherwise. I didn't say it was a terrible hire. I didn't say it was a train wreck. I didn't say anything like that. I said that I was skeptical of the Rayola hire due to the lack of a track record. And what did he do? Northwestern, keep in mind, finished 13th in the Big Ten out of 14 teams in sacks last year. Manhandled by the second-to-worst defensive line in the Big Ten last year. Manhandled. Don't don't say anything. I don't care what the stats said. Manhandled. A defensive lineman does or a linebacker doesn't have to make a sack to affect the play. And we saw that live and in color all night or all morning today and afternoon. I don't have anything good to say because there's nothing good to say. I the, the good shit I already had to say, I'm done. Casey Thompson looked sharp up until the end of the game. Sure. Anthony Grant had a couple good runs. For the most part, he struggled. Yant was a non-factor. Why do you send A.J. Allen, a true freshman who has not played all game, has no feel for the game, why do you send him in at the end of the game? Why do you send your backup quarterback in to run one option play after your starter throws his first pick and then trot the starter back out one play later? What's going on? We made Helinski look like Peyton Manning, the guy we destroyed last year. Ryan Helinski. That Ryan Helinski. People were making excuses. Oh, he's played the perfect game. He's played the perfect game because guys were wide open. If guys are wide open, it's the perfect decision to throw him the ball. And that's what he was doing all game. Nobody covered anybody. Plus, they gashed us with the run. And speaking of pass rushes, the Nebraska pass rush that I was all high on earlier in the year, a week ago that I said was the slam dunk shirt thing, non-existent. Who is O'Shawn Mathis? Guy did nothing. They got no pressure from the inside or outside. Northwestern ran rampant in the run game and had all day to throw in the pass game. What are you going to do? I mean, so what? So what? They can't fire until October 1st. I get there's the money involved. It's going to save them like seven, eight million dollars. I get it. So what do you do? You go beat North Dakota and Georgia. They'll beat North Dakota. They'll beat Georgia Southern. It'll be the same thing we saw last year. They'll beat those guys. They'll get steamrolled by Oklahoma. Steamrolled by Oklahoma. That's not going to be a game. If you've got something better to do for that Oklahoma game, including sleeping, it's an 11 a.m. game. You'll be drunk just like the head coach probably will be from the night before including sleeping, just do it. Then they'll have a bye week, and then Indiana. I'll be at that game. Oh, God, I can't wait to be at that game. 
Oh, dear God. And that's when they can fire him. I, I, I believe that's when the buyout. Correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. I'm going off the, off, the, off the dome here. I believe it's October 1st. If it's not, let me know. We'll lose to Oklahoma. We'll lose to Indiana. We'll lose to Rutgers. We'll lose to Purdue. Might beat Illinois. I genuinely, genuinely, I know it was a three-point loss. I know people are going to say you're, you're, you're overreacting. Genuinely. Would not be surprised if we win the next two games and then don't win a single game the rest of the year. Because I'm looking at this schedule from a completely different perspective than I was six days ago when I made that preseason preview video. Completely different perspective I'm looking at this schedule at. I don't see a game that I could confidently say we win after Georgia Southern. I don't. There's not a single game I can look at and be like, yeah, I'm not worried about that one. And honestly, I'm not sold on Georgia Southern. We saw the Helensky um, revenge game. Georgia Southern's got Buffalo's quarterback from last year. Is he going to come gash us too? Not sold on that game. We'll beat North Dakota. It's the same thing. If it was a matter of they went out and Northwestern just looked like a great team and they just beat us. They just went down. I mean, it, it was just a, I mean, that would be one thing. I wouldn't be as upset, but it's the same thing. Look good in the first half, start to falter toward the end of the second quarter, and then just completely fall apart at the seams in the third and fourth. If that wasn't the case, I wouldn't feel bad. I wouldn't feel, but, but that is the case. We lost the same way we've lost every other game. Every other game. Like... I, I don't even know what to say, man. Scott Frost has made Bill Callahan look like, I mean, fucking Nick Saban up until this point. Mike Riley looked like he knew what the hell he was doing. USFL Coach of the Year, by the way. Are we cursed? I don't know. I don't think I believe in curses or anything like that. I think we have a moron for a head coach. I think that they should make him take Spirit Airlines home. I don't think we're cursed. I don't know about all that. We've just made it's been a series of bad decisions over and over and over and over again for the last 15, 20 years. And they've led to the it's like the US economy, and I'm not gonna get political or business insider type stuff here, but when you look at like the economy, this stuff didn't just happen, you know, it's like inflation and gas prices and, and stuff like that. The and student debt. So it didn't just happen overnight. It was 30, 40, 50 plus years of bad decisions and bad policies that led to this point. We didn't just fall apart overnight as a team. It was 15, 20 years of bad decisions, bad coaching hires, bad coaching fires, bad recruiting, bad business. I mean, it's just on and on and on and on that led to this point. And now we're stuck. And... I'm I'm not as pessimistic about finding a, a, a decent head coach as I think a lot of people are. Because at the end of the day, anyone who's jumping up from a, you know, mid-major FBS school 
to look for a Big Ten, SEC, Big 12, ACC job. Knows they're going into a situation that's probably not good. That job is open for a reason. Unless you're going where somebody retired or got an NFL job, you're probably going into a situation that's a little under the water. So I'm not worried about that. And any coach that's gotten to be a successful coach, even at mid-level FBS, high-level FCS, believes in themselves to a point where they, hey, I can turn this around. This isn't too bad. Coaches are looking for two things, support from the athletic department and money, right? That's what they're looking for. If they have those two things, they'll make it work. If you've got an athletic department, it's going to help you out with recruiting. You've got boosters that are going to help you out with NIL stuff, and the money's there. You can get anybody. That's not a concern. I'm not, if we fire Frost, who are we going to get? That's not even a concern. It's not, that shouldn't even cross our minds. We can get whoever we want as long as the boosters are willing to shell out the money. Now, if we would have fired Frost after year two, that's a different story. Then you could have said, look how quickly they stabbed their prodigal son in the back. That's a different story. But they extended his, I mean, not extended, they, they renewed his contract. They did all kinds of stuff. They gave him all the chances in the world. They let him bring in all these new coaches, extended his budget and everything to hire assistants, shelled out a hell of a lot of money for NIL players, and it still doesn't work. Any competent coach who's looking to move up is going to see that and be able to look at that and go, okay, I can win here. I'm better than this guy. I'm not a train wreck. I can win games here. I have the confidence in myself and the confidence in my abilities as a head coach to actually win and succeed here. So, yeah, I'm not worried about replacing Frost. I'm worried about pulling all of my hair out before we get to October. Because it's going to be a rough ride, guys. Going to be a rough ride. It's, I mean, I don't even know what to say anymore. We've done, what, like 18, 19 minutes. It's just, I feel it's been enough. I was wanting to do this live. But like, maybe we'll still do a live thing Sunday morning if I can, if I can find some people that want to hop on with me and just run their mouths and stuff. But I don't know what else to say, man. I don't know what else to say, my guy. It's a train wreck. Complete shit show. Offensive line. I mean, let's go over position by position grades, I guess we can do. Quarterback, I'll give it a B. I mean, if we're going the first half, I'd give Casey an A. And lit it up. He slowed down a little bit in the second half, but that's, I mean, the defense, the, the momentum shifted and the defense started letting Northwestern dominate time of possession. So, like, there wasn't really a body of work. I think Casey looks solid. I don't put this loss on him at all. Well, we asked him to do a 97-yard two-minute drill with no timeouts left, and he couldn't do it. Sorry, I, I don't even count that last drive. And the, the, the interception wasn't his fault. It went right off the guy's hands. Don't even count that. Casey made great plays on the ground and through the air. He did. Like I said, if he could be Adrian Martinez minus the big plays and minus the turnovers, it'd be a net gain. And I think he did that. Like, he had one or two passes that were like Adrian, but there were 15, 16 passes that Adrian would not have been to, been able to complete. Running backs, C minus. Anthony Grant had a couple good runs. It was cool to see them try to kind of use a fullback that couldn't block anybody, I guess. Jaquez Yant looked terrible. Didn't see Gabe Irvin. Didn't see Ramir Johnson. Supposedly he's playing receiver. 
Uh, A.J. Allen with his one snap at the end of the game that didn't make any sense. You just used one of his four eligibility games for what? Why would you do that? What if somebody gets banged up and you got a guy that came in and played one snap? You couldn't have ran Irvin there? Whatever. Wide receivers, C-, minus, maybe a D+. Plus. Some good plays. Garcia Castaneda looked good. Still think he got jobbed on that fumble. Not going to count that against him. You still got to hold on to the ball when you hit the ground, though. Omar Manning didn't even suit up. Trey Palmer had some good plays, had some really bad plays. Same with Marcus Washington. Brody Belt looked solid. Nothing negative to say about that kid. Looked great. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, tight ends. Vokalek, I'd say tight ends were solid B+. I really didn't think the offense did a whole lot of bad. There were points of it were mediocre. But I give Vokalek a B+, A-, at tight end. You know, they had that pass to Borkercher that, that was no way in hell. It was just a bad pass, and he played good defense. He had a good adjustment and good recovery speed knocking that ball away. Vokalek looks Vokalek looks solid. Looked like a good tight end. Nothing against him. B plus, A minus. Probably B plus for tight ends. I have to, for a tight end to have an A game, you, I think they needed a touchdown. Touchdown or some type of big play. But he did solid. Offensive line, D, and that's generous. They dominated the off, both lines of scrimmage they dominated the entire, throughout the game. Even when Nebraska's offense looked good in the first half, it was in spite of that offensive line, in spite of it. Teddy Prohaska, I was high on, did not look good. They dominated on interior pressure. Bad snaps. You're a, you're a center that on a team that operates 99% of the time out of the shotgun. You should never have a bad snap. Never. There's no excuse for that. It's the most basic, simplistic part of your job. No reason for that. On to the defense. Defensive line. F. Generous grade. Can I give F minus? G, maybe? Terrible. Disgusting play gashed again and again and again and again throughout the defensive line, no matter who was in. Ty Robinson, what the hell? Colton Feist, the walk-on kid, looked pretty well. I mean, he didn't look bad. Average. Nobody looked good. No linebackers, and I'll include Nelson and Mathis in the linebackers. F. Henrik got burned. No pass rush from Nelson or Mathis. We, yo, we could break it down separate. Inside linebackers, F. F. Burned over and over again through the middle. Burned on those moderate passes. Outside linebackers and edge rushers. F. Caleb Tanner had a couple of nice plays. They had no pressure the entire game, though. None. Was supposed to be the strong spot of this defense. No pressure from anybody. Not Mathis, not Nelson. Nobody got any pressure on him. Defensive backs. D minus. Had a couple of nice plays. Got gashed. You made a quarterback who was subpar, an average quarterback come out and look like prime Joe Montana what the hell man like I I would have thought that you know like Patrick Mahomes was suited up for Northwestern today it was ridiculous special teams D and I'm not counting that I'm not counting that the onside kick we'll get to that in a minute D as a whole and you had fair catches I mean I guess the punt team wasn't bad you didn't miss an extra so maybe a C I'll give the special teams a C you didn't miss any extra points, and you had no kicks that were less than five yards. So, yeah, C for special teams. I'm not going to count him missing that field goal at the end of the half against him. That's a long kick. Um, 
not even going to be mad about that. I'm not, not going to count that. I mean, looked bad on the returns. Fair catch, fair catch, fair catch, fair catch. Saw it again. Guys had plenty of room. When they did actually return it, they got nothing. So because there was no... Because, because disaster was averted on special teams from a, a, an actual playing perspective, not a coaching perspective. Again, we'll get to that in a second. I'll give special teams a C. And then coaching. F minus. F minus. Z. Z minus. For coaching. We went over the A.J. Allen thing, just irked me as a football purist a little bit. But the onside kick, I mean, seriously, when they fire Frost, not if, when they fire Frost, Trev Alberts shouldn't hold a press conference. He should just get a bunch of TV screens, line them up in the press room, and just play replays of that onside kick over and over and over again. And that should answer everybody's questions. This is why we're here. It's not the only reason why we're here, but it's an example of why we're here. This train wreck coaching style of get if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. This felt so much like the Iowa game on Black Friday last year, where it's the second that onside kick happened, man, you knew it was over. Plenty of time left, but you knew it was over. Just like when Iowa blocked that punt, you're up by two scores and you knew it was over. Two scores in the fourth quarter against Iowa. You knew it was over when that punt got blocked. Frost knew it was over. He said it himself. That should have been enough reason to fire him. Your head coach admits, and you can think that. He knows his team. You can think that all you want. Admits in a press conference. I knew it was over when they blocked that punt. Come on, bro. Come on. Ridiculous. Coaching gets an F-minus 